Hello, thank you for joining us and welcome to Elevate Your Business podcast. I am Laurie Lee, owner of Elevate Business Law. We provide legal advice to small businesses throughout the state of Florida. And as part of our mission to provide small business owners with good business practices, we interview business advisors from various industries. Today, we are pleased to have Joe Lemire with us. And Joe owns and operates Elick Innovation. I'm going to spell Elick for you. It's E-L-Y-K Innovation. And it's a local company here in Jacksonville. Uh, has been practicing and doing websites since 2000. Hi, Joe. Welcome. Oh, hi, Lori. Thank you for having me this morning. Absolutely. And I want to give our listeners um, contact information for you. If, if you're interested in reaching out to Joe after this interview, please Call him at 904-998-1935. Now, today I invited Joe because I have some questions for him about websites and some legal issues that have arisen. But before we get into that, I want to give you a little bit of information about what Joe does and what his company does and all the great services that they provide. I think this is a really good uh, basic education for small business owners uh, because Many of us don't have the expertise in online technology, and kind of having a roadmap helps us understand how we can use the Internet to grow our business. So, Joe, I'm looking at your website right now, which is www.elicinnovation.com, and I see that you do four main areas. Can you give us a little bit of information about how you all help businesses with these areas? I can do that, Lori. Uh, thanks for asking. Um, overall, when when a business owner is is looking at the internet and how it can help their business, well, we we focus on first the internet strategy. It's, is what are you going to do um, with your website or web application or mobile app, and and how are you going to use it? You're going to spend money on it. So wh- how are you going to get a return on your investment? And it starts with just good planning and developing a strategy. So in, in the areas that we typically focus on are we're either going to use your website to grow your business, um, to actually obtain new clients. Um, we're also going to find ways to use the Internet and your website uh, to serve your existing clients. And we also like to explore areas that we can actually use the Internet and your website to increase the productivity of your team and your business. And all that can be done um, on the Internet, and the, the focal point of that is actually it starts with your website. So those are the discussions we have early with the client. And um, once we've determined the best way to approach it, then we would go into the actual design and development of whatever we thought was the best approach. And once that's been developed and launched, um, we can help a client uh, develop a strategy to drive traffic or make sure that the people that it's intended to serve are aware and know how to use uh, the website. And that can be through digital marketing with advertising, pay-per-click, um, uh, social media advertising, etc. And, and then we follow that with uh, probably the most important part, and that's website support um, and just support in general. That's one thing that um, we started in, back in 2000 um, is we realized at the time, and it's still true today, is that um, our industry overall doesn't do a real good job of being responsive to the routine request. So we've kind of built our business on being responsive to the routine request because that's the part, that's the thing that slips through the cracks, um, and that's what we hear um, from our clients. So support is a very important part of uh, of our business model. 
And um, I just wanted to, if I can, take a specific example of, of how we applied these four elements um, uh, with one of our clients. And the client is a local fence company. They've been in business for a long time. And uh, we were given the opportunity to design and build their marketing website. So that's the public facing, the part that you and I would see when we visit the Internet or we're searching for a fence company. And it's also consistent with all of their branding, their, their billboards, and the other marketing that they do. And, and it turned out great, and we think we did a great job, of course. Uh, but more importantly is we looked at um, uh, ways that the Internet can, or he can use the Internet to uh, increase their productivity of his team. And because there's a lot of steps before you actually have to dig a hole and actually begin building the fence. There's a lot of steps that have to take. And they start with the client doing the initial outreach of or the potential client saying, hey, I need an estimate to build a fence. So what he's doing and what we're helping him do is, is we're digitizing every, every step of the way. So from when the first phone call comes into the fence company and they need an estimate, the estimator um, previously would do everything on paper. And um, they would you know, take notes at the job site, prepare the estimate, um, email or physically mail um, the estimates to the client or the potential client. And then if they would agree, they would go to a paper contract. And everything was done on paper. So now what we're doing is we're taking every one of those steps so that there isn't a piece of paper that exists uh, by the time um, this process is done. From the beginning of the phone call until the project is actually complete. It's all done from any Internet connection, um, whether it's a tablet, a PC, um, or um, even their mobile device, uh, their mobile phone. Take that. That's their Internet strategy. We applied it with good design and development. The digital marketing is applied to their actual public-facing website. And of course, we're available to support every step of the way. And that's how we do it. So it's interesting to me because you don't often hear about this productivity component. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know a lot of businesses in town, and there's a lot of marketing companies in town. But this is a piece, I think, that is, is really important to stress because as we grow our businesses, the efficiency and the productivity and the way we interact with our clients and our customers, it's not just attracting the customers and the clients to begin with. It's once they're interacting with you, how do you make that streamlined internally with your own processes and procedures and your own employees, but how do you also make it easy for for the client and the customer to interact with you? And that's part of your brand development. That's part of how you present yourself in the marketplace. And so that's something that is really, really cool that you all do. And, And as I understand it, you're actually building that application into their website, correct? That is correct. That is correct. And, and, and I like that you, you focused on the, the increase in productivity because um, we started going down that path about 15 years ago, Lori, and we realized that if a business wants to increase productivity, they often look for software. And that's the, since software has been invented, that's been the, the, the case. And um, what we found at that time is that um, either software was very expensive to, to do the job that they're trying to, to accomplish, or it had features that they would never use because it was so feature-rich, and you know, which also justified the cost. So, and we did the same thing with our own business where we were looking for project management software, and we, we ran into the same barriers that a lot of our clients did. So our first actual web application that we built was our own project management software. 
and we still use it today. And, and just we've evolved and continue to add features that we need, but it, it only does exactly what we need. And that's what we're doing with that fence company. We're building it exactly the way they need it because um, the, the tool that they need exists in some format, but everything they looked at was too expensive or did more than they needed. And, that's, uh, that's, that's a really good point because I, I actually face that in my business, and, and many attorneys do as well. I'm on the technology committee for the Jacksonville Bar, and you know, we have discussions about this because there are so many software products out there, um, and including ones that are just targeted for my industry, just, just lawyers. And you know, it's very difficult to find something that you just need exactly without all of the extra. Um, so I like that you, you pointed that out, and, um, and that's a very good service that you provide. And, and this fence company, it's interesting because it's, it's a fairly low-tech industry, but they're u- really using technology to leverage um, the Internet, their website, their efficiencies, their processes, and, and that's really going to set that company up for, for good, solid growth, and, and I love to hear stories like that. But the real reason, and I think I could go on talking about this forever, but the real reason I asked you to uh, speak in our podcast is because there's a latest trend uh, with websites with ADA compliance. And ADA stands for Americans with Disabilities Act, and that's a law that's been around for a, a long time. Most business owners are familiar with it because it has requirements, and, and this is a federal law, so it applies over the entire United States. And it, it requires businesses of, of public, public accommodation um, to allow um, people with handicaps access to their business. And it could be any range of things. It could be from the size of doorways. It could be from door handles and how they're gripped. It could go from flooring and what's on the floor, if there's rugs on the floor or carpet or tile. Um, it could be thresholds of doorways. Uh, most people understand it in, in restroom concepts about how you need a, um, a wheelchair accessible restroom. But the ADA goes well beyond just restrooms and wheelchairs, and it goes well beyond physical premises and office space and, and retail space and restaurant space. And it is now moving into the website space, the Internet space. And so, um, Joe, you and I have known each other for several years, and I brought this topic up to you, and, and you have great experience with this. Uh, with this, new, It's not necessarily a new trend. I think it's getting more publicity as it becomes um, more common, and I think you know, some of these um, lawsuits are starting to originate with websites now. And so this is something that attorneys we're perking our ears up with and figuring out what are the rules, what's going on with this industry, how does it relate to, to website accessibility. So if, if we can turn the conversation in that direction, and I know you have a, a particular example you'd like to share with us and some tips. So mm-hmm. what, what do you see from your side of, of things in your industry with this ADA compliance issue? Yeah. Well, you bring up a very good point, Lori, is that um, you're, you're saying that ADA compliance for websites is becoming more commonplace and it's been more of the conversation uh, of over the last year or two. Uh, but it's been around for a long time. It's been a lot, you know, ADA compliance applies to almost every aspect of our life. And, um, but we saw, we started paying attention um, in our business 
as a, as it, um, in respect to the Internet about five years ago when we were given the opportunity to build a website for the ARC Jacksonville. And the ARC is an organization that specifically serves those with disabilities, and they help them find employment and, and have quality of life and, and a variety of things, and they're a great organization. Five years ago, we didn't know a lot about it, and so we did our research, and everything we talk about today is available to you on ADA.gov, and uh, there's a wealth of information there. And that's kind of where we started. And so we found that we wanted to make sure that this website, it was actually a requirement um, of the job, was as ADA compliant as it could be, um, because of, particularly because of who they serve. And we did that. And, and right now, here we are five years later, we're in the process of redesigning that website um, again. And what we had to learn five years ago is routine today, because most of ADA compliance elements are just good design practices. Um, so not even taking into account that it's, it helps someone with a disability engage your website. It's just a good idea to do it uh, because it makes it your website better, uh, better user experience for everybody. And I can talk about some specific examples um, with that. So let me just um, start with um, a few examples of um, ADA compliance as it relates to your website. And the first example I want to talk about is specifically to help someone with a disability. And there's an opportunity for us to, when we're building a website, to add code to a website that actually speaks to the screen readers. So someone who has a sight disability would use a screen reader to read the content on your website, and it would create a, um, it would verbally or um, with audio communicate to the, the visitor um, what the content is on your website. So if a screen reader reads your web page and it starts at the top, it'll read your navigation typically first. You know, you do about us, your contact us, your services. It'll read that navigation bar. And then if you navigate to the, uh, one of those pages, we can command the screen reader to skip the navigation on pages beyond the home page. And what that does for the person who is in, engaged with the website is it allows them to engage your content faster because they don't necessarily need the navigation read to them on every page. It's repetitive. Um, so as they navigate, the screen reader will then skip that navigation and allow them to consume the content. And then they can return to the home page at any time to actually find the navigation. So that's an option that we, uh, as far as ADA compliance is concerned, that specifically helps someone with a disability. Another example is um, text links. And, uh, you know, a typical, if you had, a, let's just say you had a document um, on your website that you had available, and let's just say it's an employment application, and it's in a PDF, and you want that available for anybody who wants to apply for a job. And if you have that link available, and that link just simply says download PDF, and the person who is using a screen reader doesn't know for sure if that's the appropriate PDF for them to download. Even though they're on the application page and maybe it's the you know, careers page on your website, they're not going to know for sure that that's what it is. So proper protocol is to name that PDF application for employment. Sounds like a simple thing. But what it does is it allows the screen reader to deliver exactly what that person needs, and that is the information. So they're 100% sure that they're downloading the appropriate document. So those are two examples of things that you can do uh, on a website. Can I, can I jump in real quick? Yeah. Can you explain to me, like, so, so if, if a person is sight impaired and mm -hmm. they have a screen reader, this screen reader is, is a separate device, or is it an application on their computer that reads the screens? It's typically a separate device that has software you add to your computer. 
and that's how it interacts and, and usually is accompanied by a, um, a special keyboard that allows them to navigate easily. There's a lot of different types of screen readers. And the, the code that you can implement um, on the website, the, the screen readers adapt to that because the, the code's pretty straightforward. And, uh, but the screen reader knows what to do. And there's, there, what we do is, yeah, well, once we do that, we actually have emulators that emulate screen readers that will um, allow us to test it to make sure that it actually works. So, so if, if, if someone has a screen reader and they have a special keyboard that they can navigate around the site, then it's, what you're saying is it's really important that whoever builds your website has the code language that the screen reader can then read and allow the person to navigate easily. That if the if the website doesn't have the correct code or they don't have things labeled correctly, then they can, the, the 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 person can't navigate with their screen reader correctly or or maybe at all. Well, is that uh, right? well, you're heading in the right direction. Is they will be able to navigate your website, but it'll be much more difficult because the screen reader will still be able to accomplish reading the text on your website. Um, but it'll be more difficult for that person with the impairment to actually accomplish the job. So, mm. and that's and that's where the compliance comes in. Is if you make it easy for the screen reader to to do its job, then you've accomplished the mission. So. Okay. Okay. So that's with with vision impaired. Are there other things, other disabilities that you have to take into account? Absolutely. And um, I want to jump back I, before I jump into another disability. I'd like to just share two examples of of um, ADA compliance items that would help um, any user, uh, any visitor to your website. And, um, and just to give you an example, is uh, one of the compliance items is, is relates to the photographs. If you have photographs, maps, graphics, and other images on your website. And you and I who can visit the website and, and just see um, that that's a pretty image and, or that's a picture of a person or that, that's a video um, or that's a map, I can see that. And um, uh, a screen reader uh, can't identify what that is unless there's an, what they call an alt image tag. And all it is is a piece of code that actually names and describes the image. And you can type anything you want into it. So if it's a picture of a person, you could put the person's name and title. And, and all of us have visited websites where if you've got your mouse and you hover over an image, a little white box will pop up. And it'll, and it'll often describe it. And you'll see that on news sites more than anything. They're, they're very good at paying attention to that. And that is an alt image tag. It's describing the image that you're looking at. Because the person can't see it. The screen reader can't see it. But it can read it. And now how that helps you overall is that Google reads it. And you have an opportunity to name that image strategically. And for instance, if you're on my website, and I've got three graphics that kind of outline you know, what we do. It's on our home page. And, and the first image is representing strategy, and it's got all kinds of cool strategy things on it. If you hover over it, it says, Website Design Jacksonville, Our Strategy and Process. So not only does it describe what the image is, but it's given me the opportunity to put the words Website Design Jacksonville. Google will read that, and that increases the likelihood that I'll be found in a search. That's good search engine optimization to make sure that all of your images, graphics, maps, and photographs are properly labeled with an alt image tag. It just happens to make your website ADA compliant. So it's a good, mm. it's, a, it's a best practice. Um, another example of that would be documents, and this will lead us into um, hearing. Are all documents posted on your website 
um, is the question that they ask and available in HTML. So back to that PDF example. The PDF, if opened, really Google doesn't read it. It can if you, if you prepare, if you take special care for the PDF to make it readable, but that's a lot of extra effort just to make that PDF readable. It sometimes is easier just to have that same content in the PDF available as a web page and or another readable format so that as, the, as, as Google crawls your website, it treats the content on the PDF as a web page and, and, knows, and increases the likelihood if that content is related to your business, obviously. It increases the likelihood that you're going to uh, be available in a search or get a higher ranking in a search. So it's making it easier for the person to read the PDF because it's also available in HTML. And it makes your website more search engine friendly. So that's just a good business practice as well. And that would help um, not only the person who's got the site impaired, but the, the general visitor. So the same applies to audio and video. Someone who is hearing impaired, a best practice is to make the content of the audio or video available in written format. And, and it doesn't mean that you have to have giant web pages underneath your cool video, but you can direct that person to read the transcript of the video and by accessing this link. So you transcribe what's available to you on the audio and video, and that will help someone with the uh, visually impaired now, or I'm sorry, with the, with the hearing impaired. The benefit to you as a, as a business owner is that your video, if viewed by someone who has no disability, they're going to enjoy the video visually and they're going to hear the message that you're delivering. But if someone has a disability and you have a web page that has the transcript of that video or audio, then Google's going to read the transcript. And in that is going to be laced with all kinds of words about your business, whether it's your practicing law or your building fences or your designing websites. And that's the part that Google's interested in, is the words that describe what you do. And it increases the likelihood that you'll end up in a high ranking in a search. So whether you're in the, in, in what it does is it just makes your website more ADA compliant. So it sounds like it's. It, I mean, and you said this at the beginning. It's it's just good business practice to have these compliance issues done because it increases your search engine optimization, um, and and your Google, your Google re- reading your site and and logging in all that content. Yeah. Um, what is? I mean, is this just a, some sort of Tons and tons of work. Like this is a great extra expense for business owners to make their AD, their websites ADA compliant. Well, it does it does increase the time required to build the website. That is for sure. And um, and and which you assume is going to lead to an increase in the cost of it. Um, but here's what I do know is is that as ADA compliance becomes more mandatory, and there's certain industries. That, that are approaching us where the, it's, it's compliance is top of the list. But XYZ Manufacturing's website, they're not necessarily focused on ADA compliance. But the, when the next time they approach their web design, uh, or they look to do their web design, it should be part of the conversation. Because we can see in the future where it will be a requirement. And so if you're applying the good business practice now, you're going to be ahead of the game when it does become a requirement. And obviously, I don't write laws or legislation, but 
the writing is on the wall, that that will be mm-hmm. something that we'll have to um, address. So um, there was a time when we, when we first started building websites, if you wanted a content management system as part of your website, that was $5,000 back in 2001. Uh, so no one took that option. Very few did anyway. And um, that was to buy the software, install it, and then build the website to work with the content management system. Today, WordPress is free or very low cost. So almost anybody that wants one can have a content management system. It's kind of the same thing with ADA compliance. There's more time involved in building the website. Not a tremendous more time. It depends on how far you take it. But um, it's uh, you know a few years from now, it's going to be like part of the requirement. And we just today, that's what we do. When we design and build websites, we just make it part of our offering. And we have yet to have a client say, oh, they don't want that because it costs a little bit more. Mm. Um, and it's just a good business well, practice. It just seems to me if the point, one of the purposes of a website is to attract new clients and customers. And one way you can do that is to increase your search results. Then it's, it just makes sense to, to go and do everything you can to increase your SEO. And if that's if it's labeling your photographs and having your content readable by Google, you know whether that's readable, you know whether that's your PDFs or whether that's your videos, it just makes sense to do that. And it, you know, and I guess when I ask you the cost question, my my guess was that it wasn't that much more expensive to have those extra things done. I mean, how much time does it take to go in and and add a tagline to your to your photographs or to have something, you know, um, transcribed from a video or an audio even, even this podcast, you know, I mean, we could have this transcribed and I'm actually considering doing that is to have this transcribed, all of our podcast episodes transcribed and put up on our, on our website. That doesn't seem like it'd be that much more expensive. And it is, you're right. It's not. And there's the thing to consider, and and this is um, um, an important consideration is that ADA compliance, uh, part of that is, is also like HIPAA compliance, is you need to demonstrate you've made your best effort. But there are also some areas that it would, doesn't make sense to necessarily follow the letter of the law for the compliance. And let me, let me explain that. Um, uh, we, we recently did a website where behind a password-protected area, specifically for members, they've had over 10 years accumulated reports. And, and all of them were in PDF. And it's thousands of documents. So when we redid their website, they left that, that section of the website non-compliant because the cost of converting thousands of PDFs into thousands of web pages and thousands of other readable documents was beyond, it didn't make any sense because none, no one in their membership needed that. And the only way you had access to that is if you were a member. Okay, so so we took that specific example, and that's an area where they just they we they made the conscious decision to not be compliant. Now, what's important is if you do that, is you make it easy for someone who's requesting you to take steps to be more compliant, have a easy path to communicate that to you, and it's it's really about having just a compliance policy. And, and what that does is if someone, if a new member did come along and they required that, then they would start looking at, okay, what can we do to make this easier for these members to consume the content that is available to everybody? But since that case does not exist today and they have control of that process, 
um, they're going to be in good shape. So they didn't have to incur the expense now. And they may have to incur it in the future, but it wasn't necessary at this, this point in time. So take steps to be compliant but also have the process in place because compliance is a continual process. Your website is never complete. And as you add new content, new blog posts, new pictures, you, you want to take steps to make sure that you continue to do the right things. But we're all human. We all make mistakes. We could skip. We could forget to tag the picture or um, um, transcribe the, the audio. But if you have a, a section on your website that allows someone to communicate to you easily that there's an item that they need and it's not compliant, can you help them? Then that's going to protect you against um, potential inquiries of those that feel that you are not in compliance. And the physical equivalent of that is when you're in, in retail stores especially and you see signs that say, if you need assistance, please ask at the front desk or, or yep. please see one of our associates or whatever the sign language is because that's also an attempt to say, look, we understand this aisle right here might be too narrow for you, but if you need something on this aisle, let us know. You know? Absolutely. Um, well, Joe, this was amazing. Um, lots of good information. Helps all of us put this in perspective as to how ADA applies to actual websites. Um, I, I thank you very much. Is there, is there anything you wanted to, to say that we didn't have a chance to cover? Well, I think uh, we've covered it all, and I just would want to conclude is that just when you're considering ADA compliance is that just understand that it's good business practice because it makes your content accessible to all potential customers. It's good design practice because that makes it attractive to Google and help everybody find you. And just remember that it's a fluid process that is never complete. And if you just maintain those three things, you're going to be in good shape. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Again, Joe Lemire with Elick Innovations. His number is 998-1935. That's 904-998-1935. And you can learn more about Elick Innovations at their website, which is elickinnovations.com. Elick is E-L-Y-K. And I'm Lori Lee with Elevate Business Law. You can visit our website at www.elevatebusinesslaw.com. I'd like to thank you so much for listening today and check back with us for more episodes with interviews of other business advisors who share their great expertise. Again, thank you for joining us.